So, we'll just ask for questions this evening. Yes, Pranada has a question. Um, at lunch, you said one sentence. You said, we have material emotions, and we must learn to distinguish them from spiritual emotions. Otherwise, we will never attain pain. Could you describe the means by which we differentiate between the two and act upon it? Well, what I was saying there is that I was actually speaking about the way, in a sense, to do that, and, and that is that you have to use your intelligence because, in spiritually, because the 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 this the springboard of material emotions is is the world of the mind, and and um, with spiritually. Uh, fortified intelligence as we get, for example, from the Gita, hmm? the Bodhi, the wisdom of the uh, sacred texts and so forth, um, then we can theoretically make that uh, 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 distinguish, I should say, between the world of material emotions that we're the Bhavasindu it's the Bhava Sindhu. You want the Baba Sindhu, not the Bhava Sindhu. <laughs> so um, we are, as is explained there, um, uh, at sea, so to speak, in, in a world of material emotions, ups and downs and, and uh, varied as they are and so forth and they're all uh, a product if you will of our attachment so we're attached to one thing and then for example and so we feel somewhat elated by having it and then when we lose it then we feel despondent and and so many varied nuanced emotions within those you know two ends of the Spectrum, you know, the general sense is that we, 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 we want to, materially speaking, emotionally speaking, we we want to be uh, attain, acquire material happiness, and we want to avoid material distress, and then so many things in between. That's like material life, if you will, in in a nutshell. So, the the ocean of material emotions. We're riding on this. Uh, this all arising out out of the mind, contacted with the sense with sense objects through the senses, and and then uh, reflecting on that, thinking about that. Uh, um, so so, th- and then we know with our own practical experience. I I tell you a story I've told before that when I was a kid. Um, I'm 66. When I was about six, uh, the, the, I had a, a girlfriend, maybe eight. Um, and those days, uh, it was a. Well, I, was, I was. I guess I was more like about. I think about nine, nine or ten, ten, maybe ten. Yeah, <laughs> ten. Now I had a girlfriend, but I had never talked to her. And she had a boyfriend, and she had never talked to him either, and it was me. Um, but the kids, other kids, would 
ride it on the bus. You know, on the bus was it was in the Midwest and it was a little cold uh, in in the winter and the windows would get frosty and then they would make a heart on there and so and so loves so and so. You know, and so. <laughs> Uh, it's quite innocent compared to today's probably ten-year-old affairs, or a little more advanced, or or, or whatever, maybe backward. <laughs> but at, at any rate, um, as it turned out, um, it ended <laughs> as if it ever started. <laughs> but it ended, and I was quite affected by that, and. Um, and so my mother, my mother sat me down, and she began to basically give me a bigger picture. Hmm? And so she, you know, in, in a in a basic sense, she philosophized with me, and she 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 weighed in on the world of mind and emotions, hmm? because it was all in the mind. Pleasure and pain of the world—it's just all in the mind. Hmm? Um, all the, mo- the emotions, of, because if we, if we, if we know if we, if our senses are in touch with the sense object, but our mind is not connected, then it's very likely we won't recognize it. We won't uh, experience it, hmm? right? So. Um, Anyway, she she philosophized with me and told me, you know, there's a lot of girls or whatever, you know. What is the nature of love, you know, was her first sermon to me. So it really struck me at the time I thought, hmm. I thought, that's how you solve all the problems. You have to look at the bigger picture. Hmm? As, as long as there's always a bigger picture, when you get the bigger picture, then you don't have to dwell on the immediate, the small picture, and it becomes as small as it really is in the bigger picture of everything that's happening to you and your possibilities and so on and so forth. And of course, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we, we, we paint the biggest, broadest picture of what's going on. And, and so it, if, the more you step into that, the smaller your uh, little, as they are, really problems appear to be. Hmm? Therefore, it's said, for example, that the world, the ocean, let us say, of material emotions um, of birth and death hmm, that um, um, is, is really what the world of material emotions is about. For the devotee, it shrinks to the size of the hoof print of a calf. Hmm? How much water you could put in a hoof print in the ground of the calf. And the devotee just easily steps across that. Hmm? So, again, the idea is the bigger picture. So, what does that kind of, uh, what does that involve with false discrimination, uh, thinking about thoughts, hmm? uh, thinking about uh, the world of material feeling and so forth, and and uh, and 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 philosophizing, if if you will, um, let's say, give another example. Let's say you're, you know, you're you're apprehended by um, terrorists, some spiritual terrorists 
grab you at the airport and make you buy a book, and it's terrible. <laughs> no, so uh, <laughs> what to do? You know? uh, so let's say you were apprehended by some terrorists and you were being tortured. Hmm? So involuntarily you are deprived of sensual outlets and that you're accustomed to. And so you're in a state of physical discomfort. So how you deal with that? You have to go, you have to you start to use your intellect and become philosophical and find a bigger picture. Hmm? And somehow you, 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 you get through that. Hmm? Um, so even if the point I'm making here at the moment, even if involuntarily we're deprived of contact with sense objects, hmm? then uh, and, and are forced thereby to we're forced thereby in a sense to go within, and we become we, we, we become rewarded. Hmm? We find something deeper um, with, uh, within ourselves, uh, even if by force. And so, what to speak then? If we can thoughtfully and voluntarily, hmm, this is what do that, and this is an, it, it kind of a, 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 a way in which we apply our intellect in the context of engaging in a trans intellect or trans rational uh, method, like the chanting. It's not a, it's not irrational to chant, but it's not a rational exercise. It's a transrational exercise where you, 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 you think about the rate limits of reasoning and, and its, its capacity to, to, uh, to inform you, satisfy you, fulfill you, and so forth. And then you, you, you take a method that goes beyond that, a well-reasoned, but the, the action itself of the chanting is not an intellectual exercise. Hmm? So, so... So the method then, hmm, what I was saying, is that uh, to, to, you have to use your discriminating power, your intellect, hmm, in order to separate yourself from material emotions. Because then, you know, sometimes, for example, we, I get philosophical questions, and I get them again and again and again. It's coming from the same person, and he or she is asking the same question again and again and again, over and over again, and just from a slightly, just says it a little different, but it's the same question. It's the same question. I've done that one time. I sat at Aldaria in California at our ashram. In the early days there, uh, it was like this. We lived like this um, with tents, and um, tent for a kitchen. Um, and you've been there too, Aldaria. This was before you even came there. It was quite... Uh, rustic, and um, shower, you know, water hanging in a thing from a tree, and that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, so a guy came there, and uh, he was a he was a, a book distributor. He was uninitiated. He was going around distributing books everywhere. <laughs> you know, proper to call me the book incarnation of book distribution. So the guy shows up there in California, and he wonders why I'm not out on book distribution. You know? <laughs> among other things. <laughs> I try to tell them, you know. <laughs> uh, I've got a few other things to do, too, and, and you're doing that anyway, by the way. God tried to get, I tried to give him a perspective on it, you know. It's a good thing. It's, it's you know, uh, it's, uh, it's, 
was very um, um, instrumental in my spiritual life and some others who gathered here and so forth. But anyway, that's what he was doing without any, you know, he thought that was the whole method. That was it. That was Krishna consciousness to go out and sell books. That's all there is to it. Another godbrother of mine told me that uh, I told him once he, he was a book distributor also, and we were together, and he was got a little fanatical about it. I said to I said to him, you know, look, I mean, I wanted just to point something out to you. There's no book distribution in Goloka Vrindavan, okay? And he was like shocked. He almost like passed out. What is he saying? There's no book distribution. What will we do there? You know, so so it can be, you know, to an excess. One can get it, needs to sometimes get the perspective uh, fine tuned a little bit. Um, anyway. Uh, he would ask me philosophical questions, and they were really the same. And I would straighten him out on all these number of issues, and around the fire like this, this is what we had. And in the morning, he's ready to go with the same questions. It happened every morning for like a week. Same questions, just slightly, you know, worded differently, and so forth. So this kind of thing, you got, or you know. I come here and every year it's the same person's asking the same question, you know, or similar, something like that. So the the so I was talking about the, this morning. So these are this is it's emotional. It's an it's emotional issue, hmm? and, and it, in other words, it's getting in the way of your discriminating faculty. Your material emotions hmm? are not enabling you to think rationally on the issue. And move on, hmm? and and so we we that, that our emotional reality, unfortunately, often gets in the way of our uh, exercising our discriminating faculty in life in general. I mean, that's why. Did you ever? You know, you can ask yourself: Did you ever want to do something hmm, that? with your intellect you could understand was not good for you and do it anyway? Did anybody ever ever do anything like that? And Did anybody not ever do something like that? <laughs> so, even materially speaking, right, we, we, we're like this. The intellect is supposed to be that which distinguishes us from the less complex forms of life, uh, we we we're supposed to have a, a lot of it, but but if we don't use it hmm, to separate ourselves from just uh, the push and pull of material emotions, uh, as a result resulting as they do from attachments to sense objects and so on and so forth, then are we really any different? You know, Prabhupada's example, dog is running on four legs and barking. This is like from the 50s. Man is riding in car and blowing the horn. Hmm. What's the difference? They used to, in the 50s, drive the car, blow the horn. Hey, honey, you know, check it out. I'm a car. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? Check out my fins, you know. (laughs) So, (laughs) sad but true. So, um, so, and we are, in that sense, again, our 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 attachments, hmm? 
and uh, and of course we're attached to things we can't keep. So the self that der- derives from those attachments doesn't endure. So it's a it's a whole it's a problem. But at any rate, the, the idea is to well you know if you have intelligence then and you're different from animals thereby it should show up in that you should do something with your intelligence other than use it to pursue sense indulgence hello hmm? that the species without intelligence or much less are 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 pursuing without the need of that after all you know eating is eating i mean we can call it many different things and make cookbooks and whatnot and <laughs> but it's basically comes down to you know uh, the bottom line of maintaining our existence or sleeping or mating or so all the less complex forms of life are doing all these things very readily um, without the need of intelligence. So should we use intelligence just for doing those things? To eat differently? Uh, to and, and end up to ponder with our intellect how to mate, how to defend ourselves, and so forth. The intellect should be used for something, something more categorically different than what we can uh, arrive at in less complex forms of life is the idea. So it, it, this intellect is the upper end, if you will, of the, on, a, on a hierarchy of material ontological realities. You have the, what does the Gita say? Hmm. Is that verse? You have this, I think maybe third chapter, end of the third chapter. In English, oh, very good. <laughs> yes, you have the sense objects, and then ontologically speaking, so to speak, above that is the senses, and then above the senses is the mind, and more refined still, that voice of intellect. So, for example, when when feelings are relayed through the senses from the sense objects through the senses to the mind, and the mind says, "I like that." Or the mind says, I don't like that. This is good or this is bad. We might say, I like that. And there's a quiet voice in the back that says, you may like it, but it's not good for you. That's what we call intellect. Hmm? So if we're human, we should listen to that voice. And that voice, which is booty, a discriminating, discriminating faculty, if that can be harnessed and strengthened by Sadhu Sangha, by by sacred texts, by the Gita. The Gita is a, is, a, is a sermon to the to the to, with a with a view to capture the intellect. Prabhupada referred to the Gita as the civilization of the spiritual intellect. Hmm? The point being that if your intellect is spiritualized, hmm, then you have scope for entering into the heartland of the soul, if you will. So he he. Again, I like to think of the Bhagavatam as the theological and philosophical sequel to the Gita. So from the civilization, to use Prabhupada's terminology, of the intellect to the civilization of the soul itself. Hmm? The Gita is bringing us to the door, so to speak. Hmm? And then, and Sharanagati. Hmm, you do at the end, and enter into the 
the spiritual world of spiritual the the Gita is not showcasing spiritual emotion. Hmm? This, the Gita, I mean, there's a little bit there, but uh, and, and and it's very sweet where it comes in in the ninth chapter, in the middle six chapters, uh, primarily hmm, about bhakti, but mostly it's a, it's a sermon hmm, to the capture the the intellect that that is that is the uh, what the uh, the driver on the metaphorical uh, uh, body of the chariot with the reins of the mind the horses of which are the, are the senses so you know you, you you want the driver you're the passenger right you want the driver if the driver's not in place well then if the intellect is not seated there if he's asleep the driver's asleep you got a problem then the, the senses are running the horses are running wild the reins are uh, they have no 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 control and so forth so gita is aiming at 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 the, at the driver to capture your your intellect it's very very profound because it 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 asks us to believe that's true hmm? but after in other words Unlike, for example, the Bible, which just tends to be a book about believing, the Gita is a book about the nature of being. Hmm? There's some believing that's asked for in the Gita also. But after six chapters, for, for the most part, on the nature of being, hmm? and about you, what you be, what you are. Hmm? So, wow, book it's a book about me. First six chapters, all about me. Tattvam asi is the Upanishadic aphorism. Tattvam asi, you are his. Hmm? So first there's about you, like that part. Then there's about him, to whom we belong. Hmm? There might be a hard sell. Hmm? After all, in this world, everybody wants freedom. And the Gita is selling slavery. And that's the hard, you know, so difficult. Need some good marketing for that. Hmm? Divine slavery. Just a small adjective in front of it. <laughs> Divine slavery. Hmm? Krishna says, the end of the fifth chapter, Bhuktaram Jagatapasam Sarvaloka Maheshvaram Suridam Sarvabhutanam Gnatamam Shantim Richati. I am the enjoyer, buktaram jagatapasam. I am the buktam, the, the enjoyer of all sacrifice. Sarvalokam I am the controller of all the worlds. Everything is for me. I am the center. And then you're listening to that, and nothing for me? <laughs> oh, goodness. And then he says, suridam sarvabhutana. He says, but... I, what can I do? That's just who I am, he says. But if you accept it, then suridam sarvabhutanam. Then I see you as my friend. And you become now the friend of the person who owns and controls everything, who's uh, the, 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 the center of all uh, sacrifice. Your positions become extraordinary. Hmm? Right? We may feel unqualified. I was speaking with Jim from... Vermont, who's been studying 
with us, uh, in, you know, someone invisible to many of us through the Internet and so forth for some time now. And he, he came from Vermont to the hopes of meeting all of you and so forth. And he'd be part of the initiation to, tomorrow. So he was telling me this evening, he was feeling, after the talk today, he was feeling a little unqualified. I said, hey, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I feel the same way. <laughs> we're, we're used to be together. Uh, when I was a kid, another example, that we, when, when you first moved to the Midwest, there was a, uh, we used to go ice skating, my brother and I, my older brother, my brother about 14 months older than me, so we were quite close when we were young. So we'd go out ice skating on the pond, but there were some other kids who were like three, four years older than us. So they used to, beat up on us, bully us you know, at, the, at the pond. It was really intimidating. So well, we really liked to go there. So what to do? So one day my father decided, well, I'll go out there with you and skate around, you know. So there, we didn't, our position had not changed. We were still a few years younger, and we could be bullied by them and so forth. But because my father was there, then we just skate around them, and we go, you know, like this. And, <laughs> see. <laughs> so... We are unqualified, that's true. Hmm. But he's very qualified, Krishna. Hmm. In the world of our mind, we allow ourselves to think we're very big and important. We don't want to come out of it. Hmm. We will be very small, but what we find if we come out of it, especially if we come out of that small world of the mind in the context of bhakti, what happens is we come in touch with the one who's very big. And how, in what way is he big? What way is he big? Krishna, Damodar Krishna, Damodar. It means means like to tie a rope around your belly. It's a name for Krishna. It's a famous leela of Krishna. Where we talked about it a little bit this morning, right? but his mother tried to bind him hmm? because he because of his mischievous nature and so forth. Right, hmm. but she when she tried to bind him around the waist, she found that the rope was two inches too short, so she added more rope, and it was still two inches too short. Short. However much rope she added, it remained two inches too short. Hmm. And but when he when he looked at her and saw, oh, she's afraid that I'll run away. That's why she wants to tie me up. Hmm. She loves me so much. And she's perspiring and making this effort. And then, suddenly, the original rope was enough to tie him. So he was big. But the point is, when she was trying to tie him and all the rope was two inches too short, he wasn't getting bigger and bigger and bigger and fatter and fatter and fatter. He was the same size. What way is he big then? It is said <laughs> that that this is a point from the Sandarbhas that it is mentioned in the Gita too that uh, what does it say that hmm, he says Jagadavyaktamurtina hmm, that the, the world is my body Avyaktamurtina. Murti means form. The world is my hmm, my form, in a way. Hmm? 
Jagadabhyaktumurtina. We are all living inside. The, we, the, the reality is a person. It's just not us. We're part of it, but <laughs> it's a neat idea. Just like sometimes there was a, who's that philosopher who coined the, the phrase um, about the earth, uh, Gaia. Anyway, yeah, that the world is an organism. Hmm, the planet is an, that's an interesting kind of concept. So this is a kind of extended idea of that. It's a pan, panentheistic idea. Pantheism means that the world is God. Theism means, no, there's God over here, and then there's the world, a bad place over there. Hmm? These are two ends of the spectrum. Hinduism is often thought of as being pantheistic, and then you have Christianity, which is the classical theism. What we find in Gaudiya Vedanta is a panentheism, not pantheism, but panentheism. So it's the best of both worlds. It's the best of theism and the best of pantheism. Hmm? It means, among other things, that God is the world and beyond the world at the same time. He's imminent and transcendent at the same time. This is thought to be a very sexy theological idea these days, <laughs> just to let you know. <laughs> but it's a very old idea for us. It's been you know, something explained for hundreds of years. Hmm? Um, and it's, it's very nice because it, unlike classical theism that separates the deity from the world, hmm, and then arguably makes the world a questionable place or a bad place um, or nothing to do with divinity and and that thus that thus it distances us from all forms of nature worship and and regard for nature and we end up in a kind of an environmental crisis for example that we experience today hmm? it's really was really born out of out of Christianity because Prior to Christianity, and I'm not against the Christian idea, but this is a problem. Um, prior to that, you know, there were all types of nature worship, paganism, and so forth uh, throughout Europe, worship of the spirits and whatnot, and then, then all that was retired, the miracles of the shamans and so forth, with the one miracle that somebody has risen from the dead. Can you match that? We said, go to India. <laughs> Try it over there. It never, never kind of cook hold there. Christianity, the place of miracles. There you have nature worship, regard for worship in Hinduism. All the, 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 the all the all the forms of nature are, are personified and into gods and goddesses and and uh, with great uh, regard. Uh, we. For it, we live in the natural, natural world, knowing that we are not of it at the same time. Hmm? Hmm? Um, so, Christianity, in this sense, in the classical theism, is like distancing us from the world. Pantheism, on the other hand, was distancing us, distancing us from or doing away with the idea of a lovable Godhead, hmm? an object of love. We're a unit of being, of knowing, and loving. Satchit Ananda. 
if we are to be all that we can be, we would be, we would be or we would exist to love. We don't want to love to exist, but to exist to love. In other words, we be, we exist, we are sought, chit, we know that we exist, and we have a purpose for existing, and it's to love. And we, we pursue this purpose. Hmm? But it's problematic but because we repose our loving capacity in things that don't endure. Hmm? So if we are to be all that we can be, to be the lover hmm, that we had the potential to be, we have to find an object to repose our love in. Hmm? This is the idea of Krishna. Hmm? So in other words, within the world of consciousness, the subjective world, the real world, the meditative world, hmm? Hmm? so to speak, the world of values and meaning and so forth. Hmm? If we're to be all that we can be as a unit of consciousness, as a member of that world, we are a member of the subjective world, right? We are in the objective world, hmm? but it's kind of a bad fit. Hmm? Hmm? So to be all that we can be is to be to love within the objective world, and there has to be a significant other Hmm? Atmaram is one thing. Atmananda is one thing. Bhakti Ananda, that's another thing. Hmm? Atmananda means I love to be. Oh, it's great. I don't die. Hmm? If you knew the extent to which you existed, then you have no fear. Hmm? So it's great because we all live in some fear on some level. Even like I was saying this morning, social fear. What if I go to the program? What will I wear? What will people think of me? Oh, my hair. Um, or, you know, how, I'm talking to somebody now. How am I coming off? All these <laughs> these crazy problems that we have. How to fit in. Hmm? Fear. <laughs> Anxiety. Huh? It's the nature of the... Uh, of, uh, we, we are identifying with like fish out of water. Something like that. It's a problem. <laughs> so, we are members of the subjective world. And, and we have the capacity to love. So we need to find a, a consciousness other, if you will. That's the idea of Krishna, all attractive, the center that holds the circumference in place. Hmm? Yeah. So if that, in Christianity, for example, you have this idea of there's a love a God and you love the God and you have a relationship with God, however vaguely it's presented, the God with no face uh, sits on a cloud up there. He's kind of judgmental, but um, at least he's there. <laughs> There's a person there, something like He's got a great place up there, something like that. And you can live there forever, and you can take your friends with you and so on. So it's attractive. I mean, I'm, I'm being very kind of uh, crude about it, the way I'm uh, forgiving, but, uh, uh, but in... In the Gaudiya tradition, this, this bhakti is is there, but not, and so there's a, there's the personality of the Godhead, but it's not at the cost of uh, of our embrace of, and even veneration of, and even worship of the natural world. Hmm? That's one of his shaktis. It's not a bad thing. Hmm? 
So you, you, so what I'm talking about is pan, again, entheism. So the world is God. It's his shakti. We're one of his shaktis. So we have something in common with, with the maya shakti, with matter. We're both shaktis. Hey, we're both shaktis. Hmm? He is the shaktiman. Hmm? Everything for him. When I see myself that I belong to the Godhead, and so does everything else, then I have something in common with everything else. Hmm? Everything meant for his purpose. So everywhere I look, I've got camaraderie. That's hmm? great. <laughs> I fit in. <laughs> I've got camaraderie everywhere. This is in bhakti. You can have friends. Hmm? In, in a strictly pantheistic view, well, that's not possible. Hmm? In a theistic view, then you have to have some, some enemies. Hmm? There's got to be Satan. Right? <laughs> it's got to be the devil. So, <laughs> anyway, this is a brief overview of the idea. But, again, Jagadavyaktimurtina, the body, the world is the body of God. We're living in it. God, the reality, like Earth is, a, is a, what is an organism, the Gaia thesis, right? Hmm? And, and so, so but extending that, the idea, the existence, the material existence is, is, is the body of God. We're all in there. We're all part of that. Hmm? It's said in the Sandarbhas, as I was mentioning, that Krishna's form, Krishna's form is everywhere. How can it be? Ask Mother Yashoda. She saw it. She said, Ram has said that you have been eating dirt. Hmm? Now, is that true? No. How could he say that about me? Hmm? He's thinking, she, he turned me in. What kind of brother is he? Hmm? She was not convinced, so she forced him to open his mouth. Open your mouth. Let us see. Hmm? And so... He opened his mouth, and what did she see? Did she see any dirt in there? She saw the whole universe inside of his mouth. She looked. She saw the universe inside of his mouth. She saw her in that universe. She saw the earth. In the earth, she saw the village, Vrindavan. In the village, she saw herself looking into Krishna's mouth. Hmm? She looked a little further, <laughs> and then she saw the universe inside the mouth, and another an earth in the village herself looking into Krishna's mouth. And then, fortunately, meow, meow, the cat meowed. And she said, oh, well, anyway, why are you eating dirt? <laughs> you should not do that. Hmm? So this is not just a story, you see. This is saying to us something. Jagad uh, the whole world is in him. He showed it in the Gita. Hmm? Hmm. So God is the world and beyond the world at the same time. Hmm? Both. If he's just the world, then then his individuality and personal characteristics are are are, are lost. In, in, they are also personified in the panentheistic view. And so then you have a person with all these qualities, and then uh, you have a lovable object, it's hard to kind of love the whole world. It's like, okay, I love the whole world. How do I do that exactly? 
we're we know how to love a person we can in kind of in a general way we can love things and where we are you know do you love you want to serve you serve the whole world where do you start you know where where it's it's kind of a problem so the personality of the god so they, they we have both both things hmm hmm so Again, this story is not just a story. It's telling us something. It's, it, it, it's, and it's a beautiful story at the same time. And you don't need to know the philosophy. You just like it. <laughs> that works, too. Krishna is very attractive. So, anyway, point being, to get to our back to on track here, answering your questions, that we, I'm, I've just given a couple examples of Leela, the Dhamadar Leela. Krishna's body's not getting bigger and bigger. The... the, 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 the uh, the uh, Leela of Mother Yasoda looking into his mouth and so forth. And we're using our intelligence to understand the, the philosophical implications of these Leelas. So this is a way we we consume our intelligence spiritually. In the end of the Gita, Krishna says, those who who study this with their intelligence, they worship me with their intellect. Hmm? Intellect is the higher, in the hierarchy, as I said, there's the sense objects, there's the senses. Then there's the mind, and then there's the intellect. And then the verse that we cited from the third chapter at the end says, and then there's you. Hmm? And you're different. Categorically different. You are consciousness. Intellect, mind, senses, sense objects, they're all material. There's the, there's the, there's the kind of the gross physical matter, and then there's the psychic mental intellectual matter but what matters here is that in order to get out of the ocean of material emotions and enter into a world of spiritual emotions is where the the Gita in the middle chapters is starting to take us it's really speaking about spiritual intellect trying to fortify your intellect and spiritualize it, it begins, as I said, by talking about you. Tattvamasi, you are that, or you are his. So if its book is about you, that sounds good. Let's read it. It's saying great things about you. It says, you're not that body. But the good side of that is means that you're not confined by time and space. That means you don't die. Well, that sounds good. And you, you were never born... You never die. If consciousness is not uh, a product of matter, a emergent property of the brain, for example, then, then it's not confined by time and space. It has no beginning and has no end. As I said earlier, if we knew the extent to which we existed, all fear, all anxiety would end. We know a little bit about it theor- theoretically, and it works, but if we can realize that, this is the end of all fear. Uh, we talked about the Kumaras. They had no fear. They thought they could go anywhere. Hmm? And they could. Of course, that's Gyan. Hmm? And Gita in the second chapter is giving that kind of Gyan, the nature of the self. Hmm? What is an Atma? Saying you're not something, what you thought you were, but what you are is much more beautiful, meaningful. And it's very practical, the Gita. So it's a it's a dissertation on the nature of being, and it, it, it just it tells you things that you think of. Yeah, I can see that. Hmm. Like 
I often say, attachment is the womb from which suffering is born. You look at it and think about it. Hmm, yeah, that's actually true. Hmm? I'm attached to something. I'm suffering. I, I either want it or I don't want to lose it. That's why I say the Gyanis, they won't take anything. Don't try to give them a new pair of shoes. They won't take them because they know someone will steal them. Hmm. And then I'll be in anxiety. I'm not going to even give it a chance. I won't even give it a chance. Don't give me a new, ch- a new, a new chadar. Hmm. Don't give me a sweater. I'll just take the ashes from the fire. That's all. For my dress. Hmm. This is their idea. Hmm. Any attachment? They don't. As a source of suffering. But not suffering, as good as that might sound, is not bliss. No, no, don't think like that. It's not. To not suffer is not bliss. It's not, that's not to experience the full potential of the ananda that the jiva is constituted of. Just to negate the suffering hmm, of material existence, that is, that is, that is, a, that is a very poor excuse for bliss. Therefore, Rupa Goswami says, what to speak of the bliss of the self, the Atmananda, hmm? even Brahmananda. That's big. Multiplied a million fold, a trillion fold, I think he says. Could not compare to the bliss of a tiny atomic particle of Prem. Hmm? It's very practical, the idea. You have to think about it. If you are happy by yourself because people are giving you a hard time, ah, I've got my own place, Whew. this is just peaceful, it's great. Hmm? Something like that. This is the joy, joy of being alone. Hmm? So it can be quite, quite nice, quite soothing at times. But then how does that compare to being with somebody that you really like. Hmm? And then it suddenly becomes, oh, very fr- very uh, unappealing. Hmm? It's one thing to be chased by other people and to be relieved from that by being alone, but it's quite another thing to be with someone who you're one with. Hmm? Like, she and I are one. We're on the same page. We're in the same paragraph. Hmm? In the same parenthetical phrase. <laughs> hmm? yeah. This is kind of a dynamic oneness. You and I are one. There's you and I and we're one. <laughs> there's you, there's still you and there's still I, and we're one. This is what happens in in, in, in love. Hmm? So this is what Rupa Goswami is saying. It's not like, well, I don't know about that. The bliss of praying is, you know, a trillion fold more, more than how can you measure these? He's giving a very practical idea. You, you, anybody, anybody can understand it. Bhakti Ananda means that the Ananda in the Jiva has the chance to associate with with the very source of Ananda, hmm? and that what will be the nature of the association? A loving association. What you you just got. <laughs> You just got increased your capital, you know, uh, unlimitedly. Hmm? You had a little capital, a little spending cash. You now you just got connected with a huge fund. Hmm? Yeah. 
you, you had a you had a dime and now you got a, a dollar. You had a one dollar bill, now you got a, you you you're part of a hundred dollar bill. How's it feel? <laughs> to be a dollar bill or to be part of a hundred dollar bill? <laughs> what is what is your capacity now? Hmm? This is idea. So so it's a very practical uh, example. So in the Gita, the beginning, first chapter, sixth chapter, all about the self, its capacity, hmm? the nature of being, the nature of attachment. It, it speaks about things that you think about. You go, yeah, I can see that. It was there. I wasn't seeing it. Now I'm seeing it. My eyes have been opened to something that's been right in front of my face. It's right. It's just like the nose on my face. It's right. It's always been there. Hmm? And I just had just a slightly different angle of vision. And, whoa, it's become, the world looks very different now. I thought that by acquisition, my position would be enhanced. Hmm? And I've been living to acquire. Now, I, I didn't realize that having is a poor excuse for being. If my sense of being is derived from my sense of having, <laughs> I'm not being very well. Huh? Because they don't really have anything for very long. And what I do have is really not mine. I can't keep it. So the sense of I that comes from what I have, like that guy that had that Chevy Impala with the fins on it and said, I'm a car, check me out. Hmm? Yeah. Or the Marlboro Man I used to be, I remember that commercial I used when I was a kid. He'd ride out on that horse, you know. And he'd light up, you know, the Marlboro Man. I heard that. He died of cancer. Yeah. He's coughing now. On the, it's out there. The point being that that we attach ourselves to something like cigarettes, metal, and, and combustion, in the form of a car. Hmm? I'm a car. I'm, I'm a cigarette. You know, just like, this is pathetic. Our, this is our condition. Just pathetic. Hmm? <laughs> and, and, and we think, by this I'll be happy. We can create our own reality. It can be whatever we want to be. What are you, but what are you coming up with? <laughs> God, it's like you're, the Gita is saying, hey, look, you're way more than all that stuff that you could be or think you are by acquisition. Hmm? Stop acquiring. There's no being in having. Because hmm? you don't really have anything. If to have is to be, hmm? you, you, it's not, not to be at all. You're just a passing thing, hmm? of no consequence. Now, to know, to, to know, then, to know is to be, but to know is to know where having is, that having is nowhere. Hmm? That's to know. Hmm? If you're in the know, then, then you can be. Hmm? You, you know that having is not being. By acquisition, my 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 existence is not enhanced. My real existence is 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 clouded, and and I lose sight of it. But knowing, to have, to know. And what's next? To love. To have, to be, to have, to know, to love. This is the whole 
teaching hmm, of the sacred texts of the East. Hmm? To have karma, to acquisition, to know gyan, and to love bhakti. You could have and not know and not love. You couldn't know what is it? Well, you couldn't you couldn't know and not not be. Hmm? But you could know and not love. But if you could not love and not not be and not know. So <laughs> Satchidanda means in loving there is being and knowing. In having, or just being, let's say, just existence, there could be an existence that was not a knowing existence or a loving existence. There couldn't be a knowing existence that was not existent. So a knowing includes being within it. Hmm? But knowing and the being of knowing doesn't necessarily have to be a loving existence. But if there's a loving existence, then it has to be, it has to exist, and it has to be knowing. Hmm? But the being and knowing are small things, small. They're just aspects of, of loving, really, properly understood. So insignificant they are when we love. Hmm? We don't need anything then, we think. Hmm? We don't need to know anything either. Hmm? We don't need to... If we love, we don't have to... We can live in a, in a cave, right? With somebody else who we love. Hmm? We don't need to know about anything. We don't need the Internet. I was just looking for somebody to love anyway. <laughs> Surfing page after page. What's out there to love? Where is love? Hmm? So, anyway, the, the, the point I'm making is that the Gita is just, just fortifying our intelligence and spiritualizing it and, and allowing us, affording us a different perspective on the world in, in relation to which we're pursuing what we are, a unit of loving capacity. Hmm? We're tossing and turning on the world, the ocean of material emotions that love is constituted of. Love is a, you know, it's ups and downs and, and so forth, but you never want to get off. It's like the, the roller coaster, you know. Oh, God, that was another story as a kid. Go on the roller coaster. Ah! <laughs> I never thought that was very cool. <laughs> but, <laughs> but people like it. So, uh, anyway, love is something like that. Hmm? Um, full of ups and downs and uncertainty. Hmm? You never say you love me. Hmm? Something like that. Hmm? Of course I do. Well, but you never say it. But but there's a there's a certainty in the uncertainty of love. There's a I I I don't want to get off the ride. It's too anyway. So. I say often, you know, we, we move in the world, we can't rest until we find love, and when we find love, we find it has an orbit of its own, movement of its own, and we become on, come on its agenda and so forth. It's exciting. So, to answer your question finally and conclusively, <laughs> I'm saying that the Gita, the Gita, in the first six chapters, it fortifies our intellect spiritually and, and, and allows us to look at the world, helps us look at the world at a different angle, and so that different angle of vision changes our actions and so forth. Hmm? And it also prepares us, those first six chapters, for the second six chapters where, where, where 
where Krishna comes into the picture. First it's about you, then it's about Krishna, saying you are this, and here's something more. He is all of that, plus that's Satchitananda that you are, Krishna is Satchitananda, on steroids, something like that. Hmm? He's the fire, you're the spark. Hmm? Now it says many nice things about Krishna. When we speak about, when I say to you, attachment is the womb from which suffering is born, you can go, I can see that. I see that. If I say, Krishna is the supreme personality of God, and he looks like this, you can say, I'm not seeing that. I don't quite see it. I kind of get you there, but I don't see it in the way that I see the other things you're talking about. Hmm? So there's some believing. Hmm? Now, theological believing, but if you've understood the first six chapters, then you can believe. It's not blind belief. You understand, oh, hmm? what I've been shown so far hmm, is, very, is very revealing. A whole different perspective on the world. I'm an Atma. This one point, this is, the, this is everything. Uh, I, I, in a sense, if you can enter into that point, then you know I just entered in the world of all possibilities. Hmm? All possibilities. Hmm? What is the Atma? All, all, all possibilities. The body, the mind, such limited possibilities we have. Such limited possibilities comparatively. Hmm? It's the self and its possibilities, potential that we seek in relation to matter. It's not to be found. So Krishna's introduced in the middle a little bit there. Hmm? So a little emotion, spiritual emotion, mostly the book. Then it goes to the last six chapters, more metaphysical truths. What are the gunas and, and so on and so forth and Purusha and Prakriti and so forth. All this is fortifying and spiritualizing the, the, the buddhi, the intellect. Hmm? And then, with that in place, we enter into the Bhagavatam. Hmm? So the point is that there's this hierarchy, right, of uh, sense objects, the senses, the bodies consist, consist of the mind and intellect, and all of these are to be engaged spiritually. Hmm? They're all to be... To be uh, uh, places, if you will, for bhakti to, to, to play herself out. And you, you have to allow your intellect to be arrested by bhakti. Hmm? If your intellect is arrested by bhakti, then the material emotions that get in the way of reasoning, like I often say, we say, yes, I know, Swami, but... I feel differently, so I'll see you later. Uh, that was a really good point, but I've got to go. And then I go and do the very, all the things that, you know, that I just said, I know, that'll be problematic for me. Mm -hmm. Right? Here I go. Anyway, so we're emotional beings, but with these material emotions, it's a problem. Hmm? So, so knowing is the solution to the material problems. But just knowing is like, okay, now I know that the that I that I have to stop thinking. Okay. I think too much. That I that, that knowing is obscured by the mind. So now I will go home and stop thinking.
It's like, okay, that's not happening. Hmm. Difficult idea. Hmm. So in, in the bhakti school, we, 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 we know this, but then we, the intellect becomes arrested hmm, by bhakti. Hmm. And so this is called nishta. So this is a crucial stage, right, in the progress. The, the mind, the intellect is, is engaged, is arrested. And so we, we have the answer. When something comes, we have the answer. We have, through sadhu sangha and shastra, we have, here's the siddhanta. Okay, I go forward now. And it's presented like this. This says this over here and here, and this is the meaning. But, and it's, okay, that's what it is. We go forward. Hmm. How do we get here? You've always been here. Okay. And so forth. We go forward. Hmm? We retire. This is how we retire the material emotions. And this is how you retire your material emotions in a relative sense also. Like I always had a very emotional. Cindy doesn't love me. Mom said, that's okay. There'll be another Cindy. Hmm? And uh, and there'll be a Mary and a Jane and so forth. And, and there's a bigger picture, son, and so forth. So... I was able to, I, I thought at the time, hmm, this is how you solve all the problems. By philosophy. I didn't know the word philosophy, but by the bigger picture, giving a bigger picture. Hmm? Uh, so I, I mean, that worked for me. I thought, oh, well, that's that. Yeah. It's a small thing. Okay, we move on. Hmm? So as we use our intellect, so to speak, even materially speaking, to retire spiritual emotions. I mean, sometimes you have to play through them and, you know, they have, it takes time also, negative emotions or experiences and so forth. And, um, um, but, but even psychologically speaking, well, it's thought that knowing about the problem, hmm, I'm like this because of this. I act like this emotionally because this happened is not the solution, but it's part of the solution. Hmm, right? It's, it's, it, it, then you have to work with it and so forth. So, so there's some knowing of the Siddhanta, and then there's some effort for sadhana to embrace it and its implications and so forth. Hmm? And so this is kind of the divide, if you will. Intellect is the higher r- r- realm in the material hierarchy. If this is arrested with bhakti, hmm, in the way that I'm speaking about it, then, then we will always go forward. Anukulyasa. Mm, sankalpa, what is it? Particularly I'll accept what's favorable for bhakti. I'll reject what's unfavorable. Hmm? Um, so my material emotions won't get in the way. Hmm? Like, you know, keep coming back asking the same question. Hmm? That's, that's a problem. So, And then by, by acting accordingly, hmm? according to the, the, the spiritual intelligence, then we can get ruchi. Hmm? Isn't it? Then we, that means we get a taste from the other side. Then hmm? yeah. Krishna is taste. So, hmm, we're coming in the, that, and then that will grow to attachment for Krishna. Then bhava, the spiritual emotion. So this, this is kind of the crossover point. And I like to think of it talk about it in this way that you know you have to you have to use spiritualize and use your will use your 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 uh, your discriminating faculty your intellect hmm? that help 
we discussed before, um, it helps us. Um, so we're emotional beings, we have a material, material motion. On a spiritual path, we encounter not only material motion, but spiritual motions sometimes simultaneously in the same day. Unless I, so how am I distinguishing and setting aside with, you know, with intelligence, I'm setting aside the material, is that distinguishing factor, if I'm having emotion in relation to Krishna or Krishna's devotee, then it's spiritual, and that's what defines it as spiritual, that's the only definition of spiritual emotion, or the, you know, sh- shadows and hints as you're leaving emotion, material emotions that come in. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beginning. Mm-hmm. Spiritual emotion really is, arises in, in bhava. Mm-hmm. So, after rising above the dualities of material existence, but there's some semblance of that, and when we have, you know, you're growing your, 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 your spiritual reality, so to speak, in the sadhaka day, that's what you're doing. So, so you, you, are, you attach to devotees, to deities, to a spiritual practice, and so on and so forth. And, and so you're, your material emotions sort of are being worked with, so to speak, and kind of that's the user-friendly nature of bhakti. Hmm? And so uh, they're, they're not spiritual emotions arising f- from the potential of the soul in relation with the sarup shakti. You are in touch with the sarup shakti, however, but not at a, that to that that measure. But but. Yes, your spiritual, just like your, we say the sadhaka day of the body is being spiritualized, the mind is being spiritualized, so your emotions are being spiritualized in a sense as well. And they all start to start to play out in relation to bhakti. And so you're concerned something happened to Guru Maharaj or the mission or this or another devotee. And it's, it's, a, it's a good kind of beginning. So I would call it like a spiritualizing of material emotions, and so it's kind of in between. So, like a sadhaka day, for example, if it's a body, a body includes its the mind and the emotions and so forth. If it's to be spiritualized, then in the sadhaka day, you are not a buddha jiva, you're not a nitya, you're not a a a, 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 a mukta jiva. You're in between. It's a good place to be. Good start. So, some thoughts. Yes. So we, we were reading in uh, both the tenth canto, and, and uh, we had Bhagavatamrita about uh, the gopis were talking about uh, fishing was gone in the site. And for probably 20 or 30 verses, they were going on about how the land was more. The land fortunate than them. We're more fortunate than them. The cows are more fortunate. The, the clouds are more fortunate. And they finally ended up that somehow or other the flute, Krishna's flute, was the most fortunate. Because Krishna's flute, his inert object, had the audacity to somehow stay connected with. The nectar emanating from Krishna's blue 24 hours. Lips. Mm-hmm. Lips. Krishna, huh? 
how, how is that possible? What right is that an inert object to have to taste the nectar of Krishna's food? They were just gone, the bhava, the madness had gone to that level, and they were, they were cursing, not cursing, but they were wondering how the, the mother of the, the, the Jamuna was somehow birthed the, the bamboo that couldn't. So that's what we mean by spiritual world, you see. That's why we say, if you go to a holy place, but you don't associate with saintly people, you never went there. What is the meaning? There are many holy places. If you go there, but you don't associate with the sadhus, it said, What? Saiva Gokara. Yasyatma Buddhi Kanukratike Sadit Kalatradishu Bomi Chadi. Anyway, it's uh, one of those old verses. Really knows but forgets, I guess. Anyway, so Saiva Gokara. He said if you go to the spiritual place with pilgrim but you don't take advantage of sadhus, you might as well just be an animal. You didn't go there at all. What does it mean? Hmm? It means, just like gopis, hmm? they are seeing everything as animate. Hmm? And they are animating everything. Their bhava, their spiritual emotion, is being projected hmm? on, the na- on the natural world. Hmm? And so... It takes on, so to speak, from that perspective, the natural world takes on the bhava of the gopis and trees and clouds become devotees and the earth becomes a devotee hmm? and the, the, the bamboo becomes a devotee. And see, the, the, the whole vision is turning, spiritualizing, turning the whole inert, make so-called world, hmm? bringing it to life hmm? in bhava. That's what makes the whole. That's a, this the whole basis. So it's the, it's the, the saintly person, is what, therefore, Vidura was wisely uh, uh, advised by Yudhisthira when Yudhisthira was saying, "Please, I want you to stay here, as your advice is so good, Vidura. You're a sadhu." Hmm? Vidura said, "But I'm going to go on pilgrimage." Then Yudhisthira advised him. What did he say? Where's the verse? He just us very clever. He said, Virdura, gee, you are a holy place. You want to go to a holy place? You are a holy place. Hmm? You don't have to go anywhere. Stay with, keep me with you. Hmm? You are wherever you go. That Svantastena Gadabrita. You are you, you are the holy place. That is the sum and substance hmm, of the holy place. So this is Brindavan. It's, it means the bhava of the devotees. That's what is the spiritual world. Hmm? Hmm? It can't be anywhere. It's not a geographical location, right? Hmm? We we worship 
somebody sees Krishna's footprint in Vrindavan, then they take it, oh, no, 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 such, so Sanatana Goswami says, so found Krishna's footprint. They bring and they, sh- and they keep it in the temple and they show it to you and you go, I guess, could be a foot, looks like, maybe, you know, okay. Hmm? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, he, but it, he, it, he has, his bob has been projected, hmm? for example, what's this again? on the natural world. And now it becomes spirit. What is this, what is a self manifest deity? Hmm? You have these self manifest deities. Somebody said, "There's look, there's Nishingadev right in the in the in the wall." And people go, "Yeah, okay, I think so." All right, and then they cut it out and whatever in the stone, and somebody sees it like that. I mean, somebody of consequence, spiritual consequence. So with their bhava, hmm. Krishna's everywhere, right? So, they, they, so they, they, the, everything becomes spiritualized. This is what the spiritual world is about. It is about Golokhpur. It is about Vatsalya. It is about Sakya. It is about Madhurya. That's what it is. Hmm? This is what the Goswamis were concerned about. They weren't concerned about the forces of, like I say, electromagnetism and gravity. They were concerned about Vatsalya, Dasya, Madhurya. This is what makes the world go round. This is what their interest Hmm? And then they, they, the implications of that, hmm? how these feelings c- spiritualized by being Krishna-centered, and, and Krishna is the one who accepts this, Patsalya, Sakya, Madhuradya, this is the de- deity. Then, hmm? then we have a world hmm? that arises out of that. So it's all coming from bhakti, from the devotee, hmm? Bhagavan himself. Is you know without bhakti, well, <laughs> is there a Krishna? That is the question. There's Brahman, hmm? but with bhakti, then Brahman, who's everywhere, is suddenly moving. That's that's a very wild idea, and dancing. Brahman is everywhere. How can it go anywhere? It's already everywhere. But with bhakti, Brahman is moving, hmm? and dancing. That we call Param Brahma. Hmm? So this idea, hmm? there's no meaning. The meaning of a saintly, of a holy place, is the holy people. Hmm? How they see it, they have said this is a holy place. Hmm? We're trying to see from their angle of vision, hmm? to catch their angle of vision. Then, uh, then the whole natural world becomes spiritualized. So, it's just the nature of bhava that it will project itself like this. In the beginning. The devotee sometimes thinks that I'm a devotee. I wish everybody else was. And then in the end, the devotee thinks, hmm, everybody's a devotee. I wish that I was. Hmm? Even the flute and the river, hmm? Hmm. the mother of the bamboo, well, she is so fortunate. Her child is constantly tasting the lips of Krishna. Hmm? But not us. Hmm? He's not even visible for us to talk to. Hmm? We've come out in the middle of the night like this, and then he's disappeared. Just see our misfortune. Oh, and look, the trees are bending down here. He must have come by this way, and they're offering their fruits. Hmm? And suddenly, 
Oh, here's his footprints. See, what is the fortune? What kind of devotee is the earth? Oh, my pranam to the earth. Hmm? Krishna never leaves the earth. He's always walking, but he's not always with us. Such is our position. They're projecting their bhava into everything. And everything then becomes worshipable by them in their eyes. Hmm? This is what they're talking This is a spiritual world. It's not a geographical place. It's, it is the bhava of the devotees. Hmm? Therefore we say, Krishna's living in the hearts of the devotees. You cannot, you know, find him out historically, demonstrate. Hmm? And if you could, then you couldn't demonstrate that he did all the things that the devotees say he does. Huh? That happens in their hearts. It is said, even if we say Krishna's a historical person, okay, hmm? Not, it's also said in the teaching that not everybody saw him, right? If they had seen him, how could they have not responded to him in the way that Arjun did, for example, or the, or the, the inhabitants of Vrindavan? They didn't see him. They saw something else. Different angle of vision. So where is he? He's there in the hearts of the devotees. And where is Vrindavan? Hmm. This is the idea. I'll close with that because I I went to, I told the story before, but I went once to uh, Gidanagari with Prabhupada. Gidanagari was a name that he gave to a farm in Pennsylvania that we had acquired. And he was in New York, and um, we had turned a bus into a temple, traveling temple. He always wanted to ride on that. So we took him on the bus from New York to Pennsylvania. It was about a three-hour ride. Hmm. And we arrived there, and um, in the, and spent the night. And in the morning, he went and you know was looking at things. We took him into the cow barn, and he was looking at the cows and seeing how they were taken care of and so forth. And suddenly, a mouse ran, and we were all standing. There, oh, a mouse! And, and it, you know, for a moment, and then, the, and then, he was gone. And and we were there. The adults were there. The kids were there. There was also a dog there. And there was a cat there. And there was a mouse. And then there was Prabhupada. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so he said, and, 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 and like when the mouse ran, the cat didn't jump on the mouse and the dog didn't jump on the cat and the kids didn't jump on the dog and the, and the parents didn't jump on the kids and there wasn't a big it was like Prabhupada had everything it was just like and he said this is Vrindavan he said there is the the mouse and the cat and the dog and the kids and the adults and everybody living harmoniously hmm? we spent another night and the next morning we went to get back on the bus and Prabhupada was right in front of me he stepped on the bus, and I was right behind him. And he turned around to me, and he said, Did you see it? I said, Did I see what, Probably He said, There was the mouse. There was the cat. There was the dog. The children. The parents. All living harmoniously. This is Vrindavan. I said, Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then he went up the bus. You know, you go like two, three steps, and then you're on the bus. And then he turned to go down the aisle, and he turned to go down, and he turned back, and he said, Did you see it? Hmm? He said, there was the mouse. He said the whole thing again, the mouse, the cat, 
the dog, the kids, the adults, all living harmoniously. This is Vrindavan. And I said, Prabhupada, you are Vrindavan. <laughs> Only you are Vrindavan. And I'm sticking with you on the bus. <laughs> Let's go. Something like that. So this is what your question led me to, to think about. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Vrindavan dam ki jai. Or Bhakta Vrinda ki jai. Or Premanandi. Here you go.